ಸಹನಾವತು So last week, uh, we're looking at, um, was it 25 to 30? Uh, Sriram, yes. do you remember? Yeah. yeah, that's what I remember. 25 to 30. And then this week, we were doing 20, 31 to 37. And all of them yeah. are in the chapter titled, The Birth of the Ego. Uh, that, was, uh, that was chapter six. And then we were planning to do 30... 31 to 37. That's also part of the same thing. Uh, oh. Yeah. oh, I see. I didn't realize that. Okay. So, so chapter 6 is 25 to 37. Uh, last week we did 25 to 30. And this week we are doing the second half, 31 to 37. The whole of the whole 13 uh, shlokas, 25 to 37, both inclusive, uh, is listed as chapter 6, which is birth of the ego. That's interesting that uh, even the um, Nidityasanam, uh, it's all included under the same chapter. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so I like the logical uh, progression of how it built up. And I think Swamiji says in the book too, that first you prove that like ignorance is the problem and uh, the Atma is pure, the Anatma cannot do anything else. And uh, by mistake, he says, by mistake, by ignorance, that we conflate the two and think I am the doer and I am the experiencer, in which the problem starts, which is where like about uh, 30, where we stop. That's where like the rope snake analogy is explained here. If you, if you create that snake, then you're going to have the fear. And then 31 to 37, it starts saying, now that you know that this ignorance is the problem, uh you do the three steps of shravanam mananam and nididhyasanam and then shravanam i thought was like done just exactly like in only one shloka it pretty much says uh, you have to say aham brahma uh, iti manyate you just think about it that way and then for mananam there were two shlokas one at the body level and then saying hence i do not have the sense organs these are all not me and then the next one had I am not the mind, so I don't have Raghav, Dvesha, Kamakrodha and all those things. So if these two things are not there, then you come to the Nididhyasana stage where uh, you, you, you have the description of the Atma with all the words that we are very familiar from chapter 2, which I thought was like beautifully done like in two shlokas with all the words beginning with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's where yeah. the chapter ends because yeah. since I was yeah. listening to the lecture then it goes on to say that okay you you like you know negate you're not this you're not that you follow that and then the next thing it says that you have you just have to continue the meditation it's not like it's not yes. like a, a one-time medicine yep 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 it's uh, a yeah. lifelong lifelong yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. towards then, the end, then, towards 37, that's that... what, uh, that's where this also ends, Shanta, that uh, they say, you know, um, yeah, it is a long process and uh, he compares Ayurveda treatment to uh, allopathy medicine and says it's a long drawn process and uh, you are striking at the root of all the problems and the root of all the uh, root of everything is ignorance and uh, this kind of an approach uh, addresses the ignorance by giving you the knowledge and uh, it is uh, hard work for a very extended period of time in order to arrive at the end result this is where 37 ends and the explanation of that uh, the samadhi right uh, samadhi state with both savikalpa and nirvikalpa samadhi i think that's that's beautifully said as well you know for uh, beginners like us like you know it would be so nice if we can just be in that state for like 5 minutes and then you know that you can you can achieve, achieve that and go through this right now it's like unknown for us <laughs> so so that's what Muku was saying, uh, one of, uh, I, I don't know whether it was last time or the week before, when we have a guru, uh, he used a term, I forget that term uh, as well, right? There is this uh, uh, darshan that they actually give you, right? when you uh, go to a living guru and uh, when he or she feels that we are deserving, right? Uh, they give you a glimpse of that state and, uh, you know, and then, uh, yeah, you'll come back to the normal life uh, immediately. Uh, but uh, as Muku said, it is for you to get a taste so that you know what it is that they're talking about oh. when they talk about this, uh, this thing, right? Uh, there's a specific term he used. He's joining now. We can perhaps ask him, but uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, so that we are, you know, in sync with what we are trying to achieve, is what you said. Yeah, um, it, yeah. I think Muku is trying to join. I think he's connecting to audio here. Um, I, I, so a lot of what is explained here in the in terms of um, the neti neti, you know, can be a meditation in itself, right? The five sheets meditation that that could be one type of meditation with Nidityasana, right? So, you know, uh, and you can definitely, as you pointed out, I think there is a, um, uh, you can definitely see glimpses, if not for minutes, uh, it could be a few microseconds, <laughs> milliseconds, if you will, um, of uh, at least to tie that to everything that we are learning. So we know, oh yeah, I mean, this is what it is, right? I mean, and then it becomes, uh, it's a mutually, um, uh, a rewarding process. So, so then the learning um, is actually uh, even more uh, helpful and, uh, and the meditation is helpful because we know the theory even more. So that's how at least I've felt so far. I, I think both are, um, they feed into each other, into a nice process. You know, but, all um, these things, what I observed was it, uh, sorry, were you going to say something? I cut. No, through. go ahead, please. In all these things, it's more like uh, it convinces when you read more of these, it just kind of uh, lessens the fear of death. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's like... And fear of, I mean, that being the, the highest form of fear, but it pretty much removes fear in general, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
fear of unknown and fear of death yeah yeah fear of the unknown definitely nicely said they the, i think the shloka 37 goes on to say uh addition to ignorance you'll also get rid of all your mental agitations as like the the benefit when you are in that nididhyasana one one interesting thing that i uh, saw which connects to little bit to our meditation topic and also understanding uh is swamiji went to little details about he used a very nice term he called it speed breakers like so when you kind of come to this nididhyasanam stage and you are for for like lot of this nirguna nishkriya nirnitya nirvikalpa all this is the same thing we'll say in nirvana shatakam or like in chapter 2 or something when we are doing at that state uh, he called like suddenly now you are asking why and how those are speed breakers he used the word speed breakers there uh, so yeah. you are supposed to have kind of gotten that out in the shravanam and mananam stage very clearly yeah. so like when you are doing nididhyasanam you are very convinced that's like also why they say the shruti pramanam right like just as how much you believe your five senses your eye for seeing and your ear for hearing you are now believing the shruti that this is the truth that i am that i am learning and you say but i find it very hard i mean it's it's uh, when when we when it seems like an idhyasnam shlokam you sometimes kind of have this question or doubt that you have to untangle or uh, believe or a doubt crops up and yeah i find myself going redoing or oh, then maybe i am doing shravanam at that point not nididhyasnam as i am supposed to Well said. <coughs> of you felt that way, like when when the three uh, Shravana Mananam Nididhyasana being overlapping and going back and forth. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. so um wondering if yeah, yeah as you point out i think this is uh, um this is a really good type of meditation so i'm i'm wondering um from others who have done something similar may um of going inward has uh, that's pretty much the, the another way of looking at this right you're going inward from ruling out the outside and then to the body and then ruling that out slowly moving inside and and then to the prana right where you you're focusing on the breath uh, so in in this type of meditation you pretty much first go to the body uh feel the body right i mean uh, i know in another uh, swami ji says literally feel it right and then um say that that's not it right and then to move in and then to say i mean feel the breath feel the prana right through the breath that is and then that is not it and then listen to the sounds you maybe your eyes are closed right maybe there is no smell there is no but then imagine i mean focus on the fact that there is no smell there is not, no, nothing that's coming in through the eyes uh, or maybe there's chirping of birds you, you see the you you kind of see the sounds from your inner eye if you will right getting translated into okay here is a bird and so on and see that that is not it either right and then to go in um 
to the and that's also the emotional um, mind and then to the intellect which is kind of also the one that's talking to you right the inner voice um that the thoughts that are coming in so you observe your thoughts the the words that it's in the verbalization of the thoughts that's not it either right and then in in a way you kind of turn around right because you've kind of gone through the different layers i i I, I hit a point where, you know, the, the Anandamaya Kosha is not something that I've been able to kind of pinpoint that I must definitely say. But at this point, you can also turn around and say, then who is the one observing it, right? The witnessship in a way, right? And at which point, you know, you, you may get a glimpse of what that is like, right? Um to me, that proved to be very useful to have that glimpse and then to go back to the text uh, to understand what are they really, maybe this is what they're talking about, right? Maybe this is what it is, right? So to have that, that glimpse was very, very useful. I'm not sure what others feel, but um, it was very useful to kind of go back and uh, read more. And now when they say these things, they're not very abstract anymore, uh, kind of a thing. So. I wonder what, um, yeah, I'm just curious to hear. Sure, don't tell me you you did all this in one session of meditation. It's over a period of time. That's absolutely. what, right? Just, just, yeah. okay. So this is the thing, right? Uh, no, absolutely not. Because, we, see, what happens is initially it's going to be hard because the mind is going to be full of, um, it's going to be full of thoughts. It's going to be full of emotions. So it's yeah. going, it, it will take, a long time, right? It does take a long time. Um, again, depends. It, it's not a linear process at all. It, it really depends on on the individual. And yeah, I mean, uh, what do others think? This in the, in the Nidityasana here that is Atma Bodha is talking about. They are talking about the meditation, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah. So Kishore. Um, yes. I'll just share. So I think meditation is a completely different, what do you call, uh, aspect of all this, right? I think what we are doing right now is trying to, uh, as they say, the uh, knowledge aspect of the truth, if you will, right? We are trying to be analytical about it and approaching it that way, right? And I feel the meditation aspect is a different abhyasa or exercise. And there are different ways in which you can uh, do the meditation, right? Like the link you sent uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think it was three, almost three weeks ago, you sent a link on uh, the talk by uh, of meditation. Right? Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, he covers the various kinds of meditation. The one that I use for my own meditation and i don't think i have reached even the stage that you have but what i have i follow is uh, focusing on the thoughts right just you know see or you know uh, identify sure, what sure. is the thought that is coming right you individualize that thought and don't hang on to a thought and continue that stream of thoughts right Rather, let individual thoughts rise in your mind and you identify that thought and let it go by, 
right so that is the uh, technique that i uh, use and uh, it is difficult it is i don't think i have uh, uh, you know i have that uh, ability to stay focused on even my own thoughts uh, for like 10 minutes at a stretch even right but uh, i think with practice you know we should get better and we should gradually increase the duration so that's my experience so far kishor yeah yeah you know i i think that is uh, excellent and yeah, as you pointed out very very hard no doubt but what i'm saying um is in that process um to get a glimpse basically who is the witness there right when you keep going you know when you said you observe your thoughts um at at some level you know when you rule out these uh, upadis right who is then the witness right which is that we are observing some our thoughts our mind we are observing uh, not only thoughts that are emotions or past memories kicking in um we listen we hear some there's perception that is uh, through uh, through the five senses so that's happening but then at some point if you were to just turn around and see who's the one uh, who is uh, observing um to, to be honest i haven't done this kind of an exercise what you are saying right to go layer by layer body uh, mind uh, prana and uh, uh intellect and then uh, i haven't uh, i haven't done that approach i want others to uh, you know share as well i will try this method sometime so okay so at least this um, cool. um yeah hi i mean not i mean any meditation yeah meditation stream i mean, just as this that mean more of a personal experience i think many many paths go to that experience right like one is the way you are describing second is the thing also with the way you are saying also can also drop into the same zone uh, yeah. for me i think based on you know, any just if i were to reflect on various practices uh, i think that witnessing or whatever that word again it's all words the way at least the closest i've come to is you there's a zone you go where there's no i right it's, it's very yeah. abstract that you don't exist there's nothing there's nothing witnessing also there's all these are again words sometimes we like even when you watch the breath i think we do, used to do that with rajesh before when we start the whole process right even that can you know with with practice i think the struggle is always the mind comes like exactly what i said right you're not able to just get on to one and you'll get mind will come you go around come back but i think as you get better at it You, suddenly you'll just like almost like it's it's a different flip that's how, that's how at least i perceived it right again again this is not a mentor's uh, technique to be anybody else this is just more yeah yeah i'm also reading the scripture and kind of connecting the dots here yeah uh, so please word have a word of caution it's not anything uh, that's yeah. it's just almost a flip it's like a flip of a switch uh, for a for again there's no time there there's no space there you drop into a zone yeah uh, and there is something existing but it's not you also the identity also not there that's how at least i felt that such mm-hmm. those glimpses uh, and, and i believe that's what it is I, i mean i don't know that's this it is but to answer your question on the technique that's how i felt there's no i yeah. there's no witnessing those those ideas don't exist there uh, it's it's a flip of a switch and then it's when you back to your identity 
that, so that's that's very true. I think you explained it very well. Uh, again, we are not talking uh, techniques lab, you know, so that's right. I mean, we're just discussing more around, you know, is it possible to get, is it possible to get a glimpse? Is it um, uh, in terms of uh, connecting it to the the topic of discussion, right? I mean, in, in like a nidityasana, right? Uh, obviously, right. yoga in the yoga practice, they talk about ekagrata, um, right? To be able to have a single-minded, single thought. And that is actually explained really well with um, um, when you pour hot oil from from a container, and if you pour hot oil, it it, it stays so um, straight that you think there is nothing moving, right? It seems like it's a solid, uh, uh, a transparent piece there, but then it's actually moving, right? So that the same thought being repeated, right, or a period of time eventually. That, that's the uh, dhyana aspect of it, which can lead to um, uh, to the savikalpa samadhi state, right? So um, that's another path, right? So I, as you pointed out, I think there are various ways in which once the mind gets, um, and the intellect is so still, yeah. at which point, as, as I think even here, they point out that the intellect is where the, the self reflects. And if the intellect is very, very still, we are able to, the the self is established in its own reflection there, right? In a way, and and that's the glimpse that we are talking about. Those are the glimpses. So, just connecting it to some experiences, the fact that it is possible to get a glimpse, um, and then we again, at which point we don't know whether hey, is this what they're referring to? I mean, the best guess we could be maybe, yeah, you know, the, that's how it feels. Is, is how I at, at least uh, I have experienced. We, we don't know for sure without a guru uh, who can tell you this is what it could be. It could, we can only make an extrapolation at that point. Mubu, I think this you is used, where... uh, you explained once uh, about uh, this thing about gurus giving a darshan to the disciples, right? Uh, you used a specific term that I'm not able to recollect. What was the term? Ha, guru giving what? A darshan of the real this thing, right? When when you go through Tatori. Huh? Tatori. Tatori. Hatori, yes. The glimpse yeah. of the yeah, of that right. is, yeah. is it Satori? S A T. Yeah, S A T O R I, I believe that's what Okay. Okay, got it. And I think this is what was uh, nicely described by Sardaji as well. And she didn't know for a long time what she was going through, but initially, from what I understood from her book was the pull towards that very peaceful state where like the body mind all this disconnects and she's in this complete blankness that was like what kept her pulling saying oh do more do more sit for a longer time go into this state like and then she realizes oh i need a guru to explain to me what this state is and if this is the terminal stop or is there more yeah and uh, the stages that she talks about is about the energy Kundalini energy rising through the different chakras, isn't it? She she distinctly says that you can feel that energy uh, first, and uh, she also says that uh, for the entire process to begin, there has to be some activation. Awakening. Yeah. The term activation that she uses. Awake, awakening. Term? Awakening of the Kundalini. Awakening. Okay. Yeah. Awakening. That's another. Yeah. 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 Uh, so and for for it to get awakened and. I kind of don't know 
what that awakening means, right? But uh, I'll share something with you guys about this one, right? Long ago, I think it was 2002 or 2003 when I did uh, Sudarshana Kriya, uh, you know, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar's uh, Art of Living class for the first time. When I went through the Sudarshan Kriya that whole this thing the first time, my whole body was, you know, tingling, literally tingling, right? It, uh, as if it was vibrating, right? And I have done several such courses after that. It never recurred for me. That same experience never recurred for me, right? Uh, I, I, I still wonder if uh, that was what that activation thing was, right? That once it gets activated, then okay, uh, you know, you don't get it activated again and again. I don't, I don't know. It's still uh, kind of um, what you call uh, enigma to me, uh, what that whole uh, activation, sorry, what did you call it? Uh, awakening. Awakening. Awakening or activation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's an interesting um, uh, thing, what you said, uh, what you said, but basically, uh, um, uh, those type of uh, experiences along the along the journey, right? I, I I think what happens is the fact that we expect it causes it to not happen. <laughs> also, okay. I mean, I, I I did notice that in my earlier earlier days. It's like um, I, I, you get some things like that, and then suddenly you 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 are expecting looking it for those things, and and that doesn't happen, right? Based on that, right? but again, uh, what I've come to realize is those are basically clearing of the nerves, right? So mm-hmm. especially the the electric impulse going through your body, um, and it feels as if there's there's a lot of impulse just going rushing through the body. As an example, some people may not be there. Maybe it's not required because they're their nerves are already uh, cleansed and it's, it's, it is already functioning well. But for certain others, it might be there where uh, I, I think even in the Buddhist, um, thing, they, they call it janas, J-H-A-N-A-S. Um, basically, it, 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 it's like electric impulses going through the body and ba- it is the nerves uh, clearing up, if you will, right? So um, it may not happen to everyone. It may not be required for everyone. In the first place so yeah, yeah. They, they don't they don't say that this is the uh you know expected outcome or uh yeah not that everybody had a similar thing. you're right it, it could it varies uh, individual to individual i think yeah but this whole sharing of uh, techniques of meditation i think it's very useful for you know, for a group like this, right? Because each of us have our own uh, practices and to just uh, share uh, each other's experiences and, uh, you know, get those doubts clarified in a group like this is nice, I think. Absolutely. Krishna and I were just talking about it last week after the talk. You're saying, hey, you know, it's, it's, with meditation, it's... Um, a lot of many of us are in, in have not had a chance to talk about it because sometimes we feel it's very personal in the sense of uh, we don't want to bias uh, somebody into you know I, I've always felt that way that hey if I say something will it bias somebody else to think that hey they need to go through the same thing or not uh, it just feels um, a little 
I don't want to uh, upset the rhythm of the other person. Everyone is in a different stage. Um, and some people may require it, may not require it. Who knows, right? Um, so by having an expectation, what if you upset their rhythm? Um, because expectation is a thought and that thought can actually cause a problem in your meditation, right? So uh, one, once you're mature and you understand this, then it's, it's okay. It's like you, you can take it in a more um, factual way rather than in the, so that, that part is always there. So we don't know where people are, that's why. However, I think it's very useful to bring it up. Uh, so that's what both of us were just talking about it, saying it's not a bad idea to have some sessions where we are talking about meditation and see what, uh, um, and I would, uh, yeah. So like, if you listen to um, some Swamiji's, like even uh, Swami uh, Paramatananda, they downplay meditation actually in some ways, right? Many, many people downplay. Uh, and that's fine, I guess. Uh, and that's w- one way. Again, there are many, many different paths, right? Uh, what you heard from Shardaji is a very different way, which is the, mm. the yoga, Kundalini yoga, and focusing on the energy to eventually take you to that state. And that's a different path compared to the path we are on in terms of the knowledge path, right? Um, uh, Swami T combines both in some way or the other. He, he feels that is a, that there's a place for meditation, but there is there is a place for knowledge. So it, it combines both. Somehow that resonates to me more. Um, so again, so there are various paths. So that's, that's why it's hard. But it's definitely a good idea to have this um, in, in our forum is, is what I feel. What do others, uh, what do others think? My, I completely agree here. Hey, Altra. Go ahead, please. Hi. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, combining this with also the video of Swami Tadatmananda about clarifying uh, meditation and also with actually Kundalini Pak and also his, uh, there is this book that Kishore recommended on meditations. So I think all of them put together, now that we have had the Shardaji's book and chat, all this is kind of combined uh, with sharing our experiences probably would be like a one nice detour uh, session maybe in December or January. Just a sharing of practices, maybe personal practices that everyone has and what, you know, each one of us would have come to practice one final one after having maybe tried a couple and what is it that works best for us? Those kind of books will put you into deep meditation very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Sushupti, you go to Sushupti straight. (laughs) So, Anupama, to your question on what other meditation practices I attempted. Um, So, long back, I think I was in my 12th grade uh, when transcendental Uh, meditation was introduced, right? So, uh, transcendental meditation was what they will give you a mantra yeah. or a bijakshara. It is just like uh, two syllables, I think, right? And it is uh, individual. To each person, you are initiated with one mantra. And all you have to do is keep repeating that word in your mind. Right? That's, that's one technique that I have tried. 
I didn't find it very, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I should not be passing judgment, but that's one of the things that I went through. The second one was uh, I went through this Vipassana course, right? Uh, it's a, uh, Vipassana is all about focusing on the breath and uh, uh, it's extremely difficult, but uh, that's another technique. And uh, now what I'm trying is focusing on the thoughts, right? Um, Which is mindfulness. Practical. <laughs> Very practical. No, it is mindfulness, basically, if you want to put a term to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so these are the three, uh, you know, different techniques that I have attempted. Yeah. Finally, it comes down to the same place, right? In the sense, finally, you are you are slowing the thoughts in your mind um, and getting the mind to a much calmer state, the emotional mind to a much calmer state, and then um, letting the intellect also shut down, if you will, for some time so that uh, you can experience what is beyond that, right? Um, finally, it comes down to the same thing, I mean, uh, there was a very one nice... interesting comment from one of the, the sorry somebody saying something. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, Muko. On on when I was actually last night I was revising from Sloka twenty right just to kind of catch up by a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, at least the, the at least the understanding I was having uh, reading the whole string was um, till causal body right at least there are layers the physical body. Uh, you know, the, till the causal body, at least the way it came across is, it is all matter, jada, right? I don't know if that's, I just wanted to see if people thought that. Again, when we're using the mind, uh, like, like I showed you a comment, the mind is, uh, the calmness of the mind, the way at least that one, at least one aha moment for me was, oh, even the mind is matter, right? So basically, yes. uh, it, it's, it's part of your, like the same as your school of sarira, you know, just a subtler form of the matter. That's at least how I understood that. So, which means that uh, the witnessing consciousness or whatever the, 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 the self is even subtler than that, uh, layer uh, deeper than that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, don't know, I don't know what people's understanding of that concept is. That is pretty like aha, right? Sometimes the mindfulness especially talks about what's the mind, 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 mind stops there. But I think the way this 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 Atma Buddha went, uh, he yeah. says even mind is, is is part of the matter. Right, just but the causal layer is also like jada. So what the self is, the truth is nice, even goes beyond that. That that is a that is a kind of a good aha for me was that. Uh, I know people have at least any other thoughts on that. So Muku, um, <coughs> um, a very good point. Yes. So I think the the mindfulness part helps you initially to slow down the mind. The, what I realized is the act of observation actually slows down the mind, right? In this case, the act of observation slows mm -hmm. down the thoughts. In other, in, in other words, if, if, you, if, you if you see what I mean. Um, yeah, you know, actually even in, without diverging too much, even in quantum physics, they say about the, the, the once you observe, it actually changes what it is. <clears throat> so in the same way, uh, to me, the act of observation actually slows down the mental activity. So I, I think mindfulness uses that uh, uh, nature of it, right? But it, again, to slow things down, but obviously there is a story beyond that. The way okay. I, um, <clears throat> um, excuse me. Yeah, the way um, 
I look at it as you pointed out correctly. Uh, it's it's so subtle, right? Um, if you, I, I think we were talking about this last week. If there is something um, uh, that subtle, it's going to be there everywhere, and you know, even in your body itself. So when I when I'm sitting here, um, I, and if I'm when I meditate, I it, I kind of visualize it as if um, it's. Uh, it's there all around me and and within me, right? Uh, all pervading in that sense. So it is the same thing between wh- what is here and, and what is here or what is in, in the sofa and so on. It's there everywhere. However, the subtle body, right? Because of the intellect's nature of being able to reflect, right? So it, it just so happens that my my body is made up of obviously the gross gross matter, but the subtle aspect of that matter, right? The intellect part of that subtle matter is able to reflect this, just like um, an object is able to reflect light, right? It has the uh, it has a property to reflect light. If it has the property to reflect light, you can see it. In the same way, the intellect aspect of our subtle body is able to reflect it, and hence we feel consciousness around the body till the tip of your fingers and till the tip of your toes and so on. Um, But the same thing exists everywhere else, just like light exists everywhere else, right? And you need something to reflect it to actually show that it's there. In the same way, it just so happens that our intellect is, I mean, not so happens, intellect is built to reflect that consciousness, right? So, and hence we feel uh, that consciousness, but, it is the same thing everywhere. It just so, uh, you know, the, the sofa here does not have, the subtle matter of that does not have enough sattva in it to reflect that consciousness. And hence, it's not conscious of itself. It doesn't mean that there isn't consciousness elsewhere. And so that's how I see it. It's so subtle that um, uh, finally, that's what is remaining as you start ruling out uh, ruling out the physical body and the and the prana and keep going inward. Um, there is still there is consciousness. There is in the fact that you're still aware. In fact, there's only awareness, right? So what could that be? The way I visualize it is, and why am I feeling that awareness? Why isn't something else feeling it? It's because of the intellect's property to reflect, and that reflection is what we kind of see, right? So. Um, Again, very hard to explain this, but that's how I, I, I've been experiencing it, I would say. Uh, this is Vidya. What Muku was uh, saying about, you know, the subtle body and even the, the thought or the mind, um, for me, that was aha moment as well, that the brain is the part or the stula or golaka and you know the thinking or the mind itself is a part of that and if we are not even you know if if we do neti neti even for that that's that's what it is for us and one of my experiences a long time ago is doing meditation with um, a friend of mine uh, who who's a a, um, a south american chile person from Chile. And um, when we used to do meditation every day uh, during work time, just 15 minutes, 
is first to think about the other person, any person, and think very, very nice things about that person. Just give energy to the other person, not to yourself. So you are just taking out any thoughts for yourself um, or your family or any, anything that your attachments are or desires are. And then go into a place where you just think of uh, just zero or shunya or nothing, basically. And that's when, you know, we could, but it would only take 15 minutes. So five minutes of thinking about, you know, others' welfare and, you know, thinking, sending energy for other person and then just talk, just, um, just, I don't want to use the word think, but, you know, go into a place where there's nothing. And then when you come out, it's so much energy that the whole day would be full of energy. Uh, that was a great experience, but I'm... <laughs> After I left that project and that company, I, I never could go back to that kind of practice, but it was a great experience. And that's when, now when, when Muku said about, just leave the thought of even the mind and the brain, I think that makes sense. Unfortunately, I'm back to my <laughs> family and Alpana, I think you were Other muted. Desires. Yeah. Unfortunately, family is a good training ground. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely true. But, you know, why... If you're sitting in Himalayas, if you're sitting in Himalayas alone in a cave, it's easy to get enlightened. But uh, at home, <laughs> when you're running a family... Very difficult. Right. Comes out. <laughs> the unfortunate part is not about the family, but the company I used to be in to do the practice. So I just wanted to... Oh, I feel the same. Yeah. Very different. Sorry, you were saying something. Yeah. I was trying to say that actually that awareness has become the experiencer and the experienced both. So when, when we are saying that because we have this subtle body and it can reflect. Um, so I'm aware of awareness. So am I aware of awareness or it's the awareness there? You cannot yeah. say I'm aware of the awareness, right? That's right. <laughs> it's there everywhere. And this is where we hit that point where, yeah. um, where what? they say, hey, you cannot describe this. It's beyond words and all that. Absolutely. And you kind of get the, yeah, I think, you get to see that why they're saying that because there's only awareness yeah what is I, I don't know what to say that thing <laughs> it's it's hard yeah. so i think and and the reason i brought it up was that in meditation we actually try to be aware of that awareness and hence uh, if you look at uh, you know most of swami spg's lectures etc meditation is useful for single pointedness not to get the experience because that next experience will never be close to enlightenment. Even though we keep using it and saying it that we get glimpse of it. No, if it is an experience, it is far from what the self-realization is to the point that even Muku was saying that it is part of the matter. And what mind is made to experience is still the matter. So even that will not give us the glimpse of it. So. And, and the reason I'm saying, I know there are various, this thing, my guru also downplays it to 
I mean, initially when I just said, oh, I saw blue light, he just completely ignored it and <laughs> didn't even bother. And I brought it up again and again, and you know, and he's like, it's nice to get these visions experiences, but the truth is not that. So, so I think, in fact, he downplayed it so much that I stopped meditating altogether. But now he says, you, you have to sit and think about, you know, actually the qualities that are listed there, that it is nirvikar, nir, and I like the, the lecture from Swami Aparajitanandji. He said, because it is property-less, it can take a property of anything. Like water, it is shapeless, so it can take shape of anything. So it is property-less and it can take property of anything. But whatever we think is just a property. Whatever we'll experience will still be a property, which is, and it is not with the property. So for focusing the mind, absolutely, meditation, is required because at the end of it, yes, the, if the mind is just running around everywhere, I don't think we can get anywhere because the mind will take over the um, that that eyeness, that mind, and and the whole thing. It will it will be difficult to disassociate between the mind and the and the self awareness. So it is a very very important exercise, but. I have started to believe that it will not get you to what we are trying to look for, if, if that makes sense, you know, if we bring it together. And, uh, you know, the starting statement of this lecture was, we are trying to solve a non-existent problem of non-existent ego. It's, it's something to, you know, keep thinking about. I think if we are trying to, uh, and, and he also uses, and others also, you know, if it's a, in a rat race, you're still a rat, even if you win or, or lose. So even if you become a better person, you'll still be a person. So trying to put in effort to become better, all these things, obviously they're very important. So, you know, again, you know, yesterday I was listening to Swami SPG, he's doing a retreat and he was saying, in no way it should be, that's why these statements, you cannot make it in, you know, general forum because the, the the uh, the effects can be really bad if, if taken out of context. It is not that these practices are not important. They're very important and need to go ahead as well. But if you are talking about what that self-realization will be, it will dawn one day on its own. It cannot be, um, it cannot be practiced. Yeah, so meditation has a great place in, in this thing because it will help you focus. And then the, the realization may dawn, but the mind will have no role to play in actual realization part, yes. So if it makes sense, yeah. You know, it does make sense, yeah. yeah. So I uh, have a couple of questions here. Uh, one is, you know, I, 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 I get that aspect of it, right? I mean, that line of uh, um, uh, thinking and teaching, I, I, I get it. Um, then there is the other line of thinking, which is, it's like this, right? I mean, I was telling Krishna the other day. So let's say I'm completely um, ignorant of uh, how, you know, maybe I think that the earth is flat, right? And I'm, I'm looking at the sunset and I'm wondering, oh, sun is setting. Uh, it just um, uh, went below my horizon. What, you know, it's flat. And then I see that the sun has gone below. Okay, the sun is going around me, and it's uh, it's it's flat, right? That's what would be my 
based on my perception, that's what it would be, right? And then a um, couple of ways. One is for somebody um, uh, maybe um, like Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson to sit next to me and then explain to me how this whole thing works, right? And then I can start to imagine what it might be. That is one way. The other way is to say, hey, uh, let me take uh, a trip on a spaceship and then see for myself, oh yeah, the earth is actually round and this is what is happening. Oh, after that I have zero doubts because now I get it. I, I've seen it, I, I, I get it, right? So there are two paths, at least two paths, um, maybe many more. Um, okay. One of them is, for somebody who has actually seen it or been there to tell us exactly what it might be like and just lay it out in different parts. The other is for you to go there. And after that, there are no doubts either. Now, uh, I'm wondering, you know, um, uh, these glimpses in, in some ways, I think it definitely helps in, in the sense of um, calming the mind, obviously. It has a certain place. Yeah. Uh, um, but... I wonder if, you know, when they, even in this book, when, when they talk about Samadhi, are they talking in the context of meditation or outside of meditation? Like when you talk about, when in this chapter itself, the Neti Neti, is it in the context of the Nidityasana process has to happen in meditation, isn't it? I don't think so. I mean, okay. it can be taken both ways, but but I think, and and the, and the, and the example you took, the problem is, all those who have been there, there are no words to explain, so they can't tell. Yeah. And there yeah, is no way to right. get a glimpse of it. So, so neither of the two, two processes. That's why work in in case of uh, in case of getting the realization. And yeah. I think Nidityasan, what they're saying is keep keep thinking whether it is this or not, and it doesn't have to be. While I think maybe I'm getting it a little bit wrong that meditation is where you sit down and try to stop your mind. In fact, yeah. here, you're trying to actively use it. Yeah, and yeah, this, of course. It is not this. It is not this. Yeah. And it is not that you're controlling it. You're not taking it away. In fact, any thought that comes, you use that thought. Where is that thought coming from? Who is it appearing to? Is it me? Right. Is it not me? So I think that's, this is, that's the yeah. difference between... Yeah. Uh, uh, that is the Shaman yeah. Manan Nididhyasan. That's why is the Gyan Yoga part. Whereas yeah. this one is the Rajyo part, which is more of the meditation. Where again, once you are, I agree that, you know, if you do it for a long period of time, any of these yogas, eventually you will be so purified that the, that the knowledge will dawn. So that is, Correct. yes, another way. Definitely. You're setting the environment, uh, the air, right. the air, air, air yeah. Right. I think yeah. the only, only point I'm trying to highlight is meditation itself will, can never get it there. Yeah. So uh, actually, Swami T talks about this really well. He, in his book, he says that obviously there are many, many, many types of yeah. meditation. So he doesn't go into that, but yeah. broadly classified, right? He's saying on one side, that is the mindfulness part, which we spoke about in terms of the um, ob observing the mind. We're just using the nature of the mind, which is when you observe, it actually slows down, right? And yeah. And why does it have to slow down? Because when when we slow it down um you can move to the like from the emotional mind to the uh to the intellect and even that when it slows down you um um you perhaps again you're building that environment but again second uh, he talks about um uh one-pointedness which is the yoga uh, way which is 
dharana, right? And then dhyana, with leading to dhyana and samadhi. Uh, third, he talks about contemplation, which is what this is, nididhyasana is, right? In the sense, contemplate on I am Brahman, yeah. right? So he talks about that as a third. And then the fourth one, he talks about devotion uh, as yet another way uh, of higher, like yeah. very deep uh, uh, type of devotion, right? To get there. Um, yeah. So he classifies it into these four. And I'm, I'm assuming the contemplation part where he talks about, I'm, yeah, focus on the, Aham uh, Brahmasmi and yeah. and contemplate on the different yeah. the nature the the all the ni nirvikalpa and uh, all the property well no, I, I can't say properties the nature if you will yeah yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely and I think uh, we always relate uh, gyan to light instead of darkness in darkness also you don't see anything which is similar to stopping the mind from going anywhere and and getting into it but you don't know what is there then. If the light is there, then in spite of seeing everything, you see through it. So no, no, I, I agree. But um, it's only when we talk about meditation as um, we, we are not stopping the mind in, in that yeah. sense. Yeah. If we talk about meditation in that, those terms, then I agree. Right. But if right. we talk about meditation as contemplation, Yes. Uh, then, uh, then, then, then it is similar to Vedantic it is a same. meditation. That is that's the Vedantic meditation. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Then it's that. So the term is overused. There is no doubt. Yes, uh, I agree, and that's where yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. The terminology. Uh, yeah, but nicely tying this back to uh, what they were saying also about TM and so on. Let's say like one of the first things that they did when it. And all these techniques came to the West. Uh, so they got Buddhist monks and then uh, people who are doing TM. And this one Harvard doctor said, hey, can I put you all through an fMRI and then uh, try to measure um, measure your brain waves. And that, that's when they first proved that meditation actually does help. It does slow down your brain waves. And then it also has a lot of other uh, nervous effects that come up slowly on. Uh, but one interesting side story to that was uh, the doctor being <laughs> absolute scientist. He said, oh, this TM people can do their mantra. But then he had like another control group who just said, you know, just repeat some random syllable, right? Just say one, 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 one all the time instead of the that TM mantra or going through a guru. And they found <laughs> almost the same effect on that other person too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So which kind of uh, irritated some of the, the Buddhists and yeah, the, FMR, uh, the, the TM people. Uh, but I think the the bottle, the the final lesson is like relatable to all of us. In spite of all these various different techniques and ways, uh, what one thing that that it does convincingly prove is that very meta act of like stopping your like almost automatic thinking about a situation, that reaction thinking, just stopping that and having like this one meta moment and thinking about. Why am I thinking this? What caused this? What am I really upset about or agitated about or even happy about if we can actually stop during that happiness too? That part is really very helpful. And it's both neurologically as well as biologically as well. Uh, and then for the biological part, it's like very, very short digression. So one is that we are always in that uh, flight or fear or freeze. So there's this three modes that we always evaluate every single second. Uh, because you're, you first want to protect your life and then you propagate the species 
that's all the genes care about everything else is only to aid these two things so this freeze or flight uh, all the nervous inputs like all or or in vedantic terms the indriyani input everything from the sense organs your brain instantly makes a calculation am i going to uh, chill or like am i going to freeze or fight or am i going to be run away right. uh, so way back in the maybe in the serengeti in the forest it helped us because if you think it's just like some green thing and it turns out to be a snake or like a tiger hidden behind you lost your life and your species got extinct uh, but but within 250000 years or so we have kind of because of our brain grown so fast uh, that the biology has not had the time to catch up with where we are with our technology and everything so even small things like oh did i get an email or what somebody told me or uh, somebody cut me off in the road or in the coffee shop every single thing that exact same biological circuitry is what's being hit every moment we are doing this uh, fear freeze flight calculations and then all your other biological things happen like your hormones go up your adrenaline goes up cortisol goes up or you have to worry you have to rush off you have to be alert and so on and that they say is like the reason why lot of the other health and biological problems happens like you are not supposed to be agitated so many times maybe one or two hours out of 24 when you are doing the hunting or something you are supposed to be worrying but the other 22 hours you are in a safe place you are sitting on a tree you are not supposed to be worried about this but this modern technology as much as it has helped our species propagate ourselves and have all these conveniences also kind of keeps giving us this challenge every minute or every 5 minutes 10 minutes you go to this existential crisis and keep coming back and uh, that's like the biological reason and so tying this back is like when you do the the meditation or uh, just contemplation or just sitting quiet or having this meta thinking or a mantra or a japa or any uh, any means of putting this breaker the speed breaker on your thoughts and mind and ask that kind of trains us to be in that type of state for longer period of time so when the real situation hits uh, you have a moment of oh wait i i did this in my meditation and it becomes like this automatic response let me let me just take a second even even if we do nothing else uh, if it's like if you are bhakti oriented we will think oh, let me think about this god one moment or chant this mantra or or if not even this way let me just stop that one moment or or oh let me take a deep breath couple of times they say that right like sit down calm down take a deep breath uh, pause for 30 seconds and then give your reaction before you instantly do so all these things nicely uh, tie up which i thought was how all these things connected uh, so well yeah absolutely that related to tm i think uh, when mahesh yogi went back to india teaching this in the west i think the saints there asked what are you teaching them you know all this so he said that um i am teaching this so that they can get what they want because obviously it increases productivity it reduces stress and it makes their life better so that once they are over it then they'll listen to what i want to tell them so so you know that's why uh, that that yeah it is yes very useful even to live general life and and even to you know calm down the mind etc etc but yeah there is something yeah, just don't stop at it then there is there's that's more. true Yeah. Very true. And, yeah, and I think. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, sorry, sorry, Kishor. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was changing the topic. Or so, go ahead, Kishor. Okay, just to finish, actually, 
So I think uh, to Vidya's point, I think she mentioned about the high levels of energy. Um, what I've seen is this, um, uh, Krishna, the, the thought process that continuously goes on. It's like, it's, a, it's clouding our mind at all times, right? When, when uh, with any type of sadhana that helps you clear that mind, right? Whatever that sadhana is, right? Um, the amount of prana that's used to generate those thoughts, the random thoughts, none of them are Nobel Prize winning thoughts. None of them. Mostly it is replaying um, past memories, uh, giving you what if scenarios to do. And it's constantly happening, right? At every moment when you, when there is clarity, when that clears away, just like clouds going out, um, the amount of energy given back to you is tremendous because the amount of energy that's needed to actually generate those thoughts on a moment by moment basis, just consumes a lot of um, energy from the body, prana from the body, <laughs> and you get that back, right? So, um, and that comes in the form of feeling energetic throughout the day. Obviously, these are very, very smaller side benefits in the larger scheme of things, but I'm just saying to that point, yeah, you, you feel energy back. You, you get that energy back because the mind is clear. The, you know, the, it's directly proportional. Right. So you, um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out that the level of energy you get back is just tremendous, even, even by that means. I just wanted to ask if uh, you guys uh, saw that TED talk on consciousness uh, they posted in the main group. Uh, no, no, nobody watched that. I, I think you should let me, let me just forward that link. Uh, to this uh, WhatsApp group, so you don't have to search through the <laughs> the sea of activity in the big group. Uh, but that's that's really amazing. It it is not related to meditation or anything at all, but a bio, a, a more scientific uh, uh, approach towards defining consciousness, right? Uh, it's it's very interesting. It's heavy. It's like I think about uh, sixteen to seventeen minutes, but it's worth a watch. Uh, I'll I'll forward that uh, link to you guys in this group. Yeah, I, I did Who's watch that. that uh, like, yeah. yeah. Who's the talk by? Uh, I, I don't remember the name of the person. I'll forward you the link. Uh, I'm I'm sure like SPG talks about. No, no, no. It's not. Uh, it's not any I, of our. Uh, I, I know, but he talks about these uh, the hard problem of consciousness and the, <laughs> the and the scientists behind behind that uh, in the the debates that he has had with them and all that. So it might be one of them. <laughs> but I think that was one of the things that our gurus cleared up very uh, cleanly. The aha moment for me. One was that like the mind, thought, intellect, memories, these are also matter, anatma. That was one aha moment. Earlier, uh, Mukhu was mentioning that. The other one was this, that uh, we kind of keep talking about the scientific philosophy or method and so on. But it is beyond that. Like anything you do with science depends on the five sense organs or observation, collecting data and so on. Yeah. And and uh, Swami Paramatananda, of course, a lot of other Advaita gurus very clearly state, no, it's beyond all that. I'm saying not even just the organs or measuring, even beyond language and thought, what you can even imagine. You only use your intellect to kind of understand all this and go and drop everything to 
to realize the same thing but uh, that that was another very aha moment like don't don't look for this answer by somebody doing a experiment and saying this exists or uh, proving or not proving or anything because very fundamentally it it's nicely stated it's beyond all those things so how are you going to do anything to that right like so you kind of go on that shraddha the word rather than faith you go with shraddha to the shravanam and mananam and then vididhyasnam and then see for yourself verify they do say that there is the the three pillars so one is uh, there is a knowledge and then there is reason, logical reasoning and then there is experience if anything does not follow all these three then it should not be accepted so adi shankaracharya himself says like even if a thousand books says fire is cold then don't believe that scriptures even if somebody calls it veda so the same thing we are also eventually we go to the logical reasoning and experience part but we have to give it the enough time for that shraddha to kind of first understand the teaching that part was the other big aha moment for me like no don't try to look for the um, the scientific definition of it and try to connect to that it is very hard it confuses the two parts that's a good a good one krishna right uh, that absolutely i think science i think we're all trained with the modern education at least uh, at least my when i started seeking i was stuck here for a long time uh, right uh, because i was not trusting anything unless science proves it and i still really 15 years back when i met my guru the very first uh, this satsang i heard from him was uh, uh, about science and the whole conclusion he gave was um, where science ends upanishad starts wherever the modern science ends with all the hypothesis actually beautiful satsang he gave and then he says upanishad starts he says if you really want to experience the truth go with the hypothesis right you need to still be a scientist and like you said you need to experience it but don't get hung up in the framework of science because where it ends today and where it will ever end is where upanishad starts so you can never uh, connect these two dots uh, science will never connect the dot from that side uh, only rishis who seen the whole picture can connect the dot back to science back to science uh, it is actually it is a big breakdown moment for my personal journey because i was stuck here almost 2 3 years in this in this single idea that science need to prove before i can explore something Uh, and you know the very first meeting with him like like as if he, he spoke to me right it was a it was just a just a mind boggling uh, uh, like revelation then i just dropped that idea and started just going exactly like uh, okay let me explore uh, it it is a big shift uh, totally Wait. i mean i'm i can so much relate to that i'm seeing even the mothership so many discussions people the framework is they get hung up on science to prove something but this is uh, this is beyond that sciences don't have don't have measurement of apparatus for this uh, they don't have an idea about consciousness they stuck with brain right but when you start talking you know they talk about psychology and you know what bullshit just i think yeah. it's never going to science will never catch up maybe it's about matter this is Correct. about anatma and the matter that's all you can measure if it's beyond matter beyond uh, then uh, then there's no way to measure but i wonder if there have there been scientists who are trained as scientists who also um are uh, went into a deep uh, uh, vedantic study I, i'm just wondering if there are people who had both sides uh, in, in a very deep way with the equal shraddha in both if you will yeah there, there are people uh, there's a movie called uh, let me see I'll, I'll look it up i don't forget i'm forgetting what the name of it is it's about interviews of a lot of quantum mechanics scientists because 
guys who work physicists who work on quantum science yeah a lot of them get into this problem definition at right? the zone of this consciousness yeah yeah uh, that that's a good interesting movie. let me see if i can find the name of it and post the link because it's, it's getting close that there's definitely i i think uh, especially with quantum physics it's getting closer you know compared to where it was because people are recognizing that problem even uncertainty principle in some ways yeah they're getting it's like yeah they're, they're getting closer but i'm wonder if they now at that point shifted to something like upanishads and then to go deep with that to understand hey what did what does this have to say i'll try to find the quote i think yeah, i think people uh, do that i believe i've done that i believe my understanding so Sorry, so there is a very interesting ted talk on this topic um by again i think it was spg's uh, swami spg who um referred in one of his talks i uh, about this doctor doctor uh, jill somebody it's a ted talk so uh, she is actually a neuro um uh, neurologist and somebody who studies brain right and then one one day as she was sitting in the lab i mean she she's been doing this for many years right studying the brain and how it works and and then she um actually experiences a stroke right so she she gets a stroke while she's in the lab but then and and her whole one side of her brain shuts down is is what she i mean knowing her uh, scientific background she actually goes through the whole process of losing body consciousness losing ego and getting into the other realm uh, but knowing fully well how the, the the scientific grounding of what might be happening to her so she's experiencing all this with the scientific knowledge but actually experiencing uh, no body consciousness and feeling that i am the same as this tree i'm this you know lying down in bed as she is in the hospital she looks outside and feels that i and the tree are the same there is no difference she's completely lost body and then she comes out of it and right she's written a book about that experience where she connects what she's learned and what she experienced uh, you know so it's almost like somebody has to go through uh, a near death experience like that to actually see uh, on both sides I, I think it was Swami SPG uh, or yeah, yeah. some other yeah, Swami. Her name is Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor. She wrote an autobiography ah. called My Stroke of Insight. And she got stroke a stroke and then wrote the whole. <laughs> My Stroke of Insight. Excellent book. Yeah, okay. The TED Talk is actually very interesting. So once I was attending a session with my guru's guru actually. And somebody asked that, you know, science has advanced so much and you know why don't some of the saints work with the scientists to bring it together you know similar thing what we are talking about and he started smiling and everybody asked why are you smiling he said science has been advanced many times it's not the first time and you think science is advanced now before mahabharat it was way 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 more advanced than where it is currently so you know he says yeah and as muku was saying exactly the same thing I mean, science can advance, and this Vedanta has no issues with it, so it can continue to advance whatever. But where science ends, Vedanta starts. So, so they they are because this one talks about the observer, and the science talks about the observed. So these are two different, and they can coexist. There's no confusion between the two. So, but he was laughing that you know science has advanced many times. So this is not the first time, and we are still in the 
nascent stage you know there's there's a lot more to go before we reach even the pre mahabharat or pre war time yeah totally right the earth being flat i think kishore alluded right was it like 400 350 years back at least per the modern science but you know our guys had done the our indian astrology right yeah. um, it's undated right? i mean the astrological sutras go at least few thousand years right which means for them to talk about astrology they need to understand their physics now not only that they need to understand the nine planetary systems they need to understand how the whole cosmos works right so the question is how did they know that right yeah. what was i mean like we talked about a oh, telescope is founded by some greek guy and you know some the whole thing is just hogwash history right i feel i find more and more i understand vedanta and look at our history a lot of that has been just uh, like the western narrative has just uh, just to establish some kind of a credibility and dominance that's just been rewritten and unfortunately no, i think after india independence it does get lost so it is being rediscovered you may call it that but it's not yeah, it gets rediscovered yeah mm-hmm. no but i, 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 I like i feel the... personally is that sorry go ahead avidya please i i like the way um, alpana you and mukhu and um krishna put it but i i do um, agree that science is totally different from what vedanta teaches um at the same time for us um to understand that and coexist i think shraddha that part really needs to be uh, firmed up that's when we won't get you know diverted to this and that we would accept what science is which is you know which is even not ending but then we have to begin the vedanta right so um i think that's where my mind my thinking is going like we, as alpana said it can coexist and it will coexist but where do we not make other things wrong and still be sitapragya on you know what we are trying to achieve i think that's where we need to focus on uh, is is my um, you know thinking And I think some of our... Ramana Maharishi, there's a beautiful saying for Ramana Maharishi, I'll just quote it. He's saying, I'll say it in Tamil and translate it. He's saying, like many people will ask him, like they'll go to him when he was alive and talk about, hey, your, your canteen structure, roof needs to be like this and all that. He will always respond, means, you know, please focus on what you came down, took the human body for, right? You basically mean, don't worry about the canteen structure. <laughs> You see I mean that's a yeah. that's a very 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 powerful click I have when I read Ramana read Ramana Maharshi continue to read Yeah that is beautiful Even I tell right. myself during the day when I get caught with so many other problems right there's a poverty and this and that I will just this will just come one the way I apart right I mean you take the bus yeah, yeah. to <laughs> to get a life Exactly <laughs> That is our purpose so and think, we focus on that and keep reminding who I think that's correct. just uh, just a beautiful way to think forward worrying about non-existent things about non-existent people <laughs> <laughs> yeah the other thing uh, also bhagwan ramana maharshi says is chumair that is apparently sadways like it says in kandara anubhuti also he says chuma gamaner chumair just to sit and think uh, think about the sources way of uh, the teaching is go to the who am i source so he'll he'll say chumair and then the vandavele gavani is the other phrase he uses often i've heard 
Beautiful. Yeah, the other thing I was highlighting was that in all our scriptures, you know, the planetary position, which is used to tell in where, in what time frame did that historical event occurred. It's just so amazing. And those are not very frequent ones. So that's why, you know, Mahabharat can be either 5,000 years ago, or it can be, you know, another 17,000 years ago, because it happens every, every, you know, maybe, you know, that cycle is pretty long. It's not in few hundreds also. So having knowledge that this type of planetary position was there, I mean, you need to know things, right? You can't just look at the sky and come up with the, that position. So, so it's amazing, you know, that how much knowledge there is. Yes. Yep, agreed. One another aha moment from the recent lectures and also the shlokas. Uh, 21 to 13 Atma Buddha, coming back to our lessons too, uh, was, was the whole part, like how it connects that, that so this ignorance is the problem that kickstarts a lot of other things, like you have your desire and then you do something, you act something and then you, punya, either you go down the, either this becomes a punya papa and rebirth type of mode or how we act and how we think, oh we are incomplete and we have to get this to get the next happiness and so on. Uh, but I liked how Atma Bodha systematically ties down saying, you all just started with just that one ignorance. And I think in this recent shloka, it says that because Maya and that Atma join, that ignorance is born at that point. You cannot ask why it was born, but because of the, the nature of that joining creates, creates that ignorance. And that's how he says, like, so this knowledge is the only thing that will make that ignorance go away. You can do all the other things, which is all prepare you and clean you up in your body, your mind, your intellect, and so on. But that knowledge is what's going to like flip that ignorance part to wisdom. And the, the simile and all that's just like mind-blowing. Only the lamp, the lamp does not need anything else. It will illuminate itself. And uh, so that that was so very nicely, convincingly. Uh, Written. So I, I just enjoyed it so much. Absolutely. I like okay. the Hindi word ahankar. Ahankar is I making. So it's not just I. We, yes, we tend to translate it as I. It is I making faculty, which which makes this I <laughs> is the ahankar. Uh, so nice, nicely said. I think these are the things that we need to just uh, share and then it reinstates, okay. <laughs> um, I, I didn't see it in that way, Alpana. Thanks for sharing. I think one another aha moment along what Krishna said is the shloka of 25, where um, it is indiscriminate blending of the self um, and, and the maya, right? That's kind of where the, the whole eye creation I starts, right? Because they just blend. That that is a big aha moment, right? How the the, the Atman is there, and the self is there. They just get almost like accidentally tangled up. <laughs> That's kind of how at least the worst goes, right? Is one accidental tangling up messes the stuff. <laughs> yeah. That is a good aha moment.
Yeah, no, even though this is a, it's supposed to be like an introductory book, but it, it covers the, the whole range. I mean, it's, it's almost as if Shankaracharya is like, I mean, he, as he's, I think it was written in the first couple of paragraphs. He, he, uh, he's all the, uh, he's out there. He's done everything else. He's written all the Upanishads, everything. This is for, hey, let me write something um, for the the beginners now, right? It's it's almost like, and he covers the whole thing with amazing similes and, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then we've just written thousands and thousands and thousands of texts and commentaries and some commentaries just to expand on that one line of truth. Um, yeah, yeah. But but one one nice point, I think another uh, connection for me recently was with that tennis example. Like uh, so, in in uh, Katha Upanishad, there is said there are Yamarajas, Yamadharmaraja says there are three things that are very 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 rare. Uh, so one is being born as a human. Second is having this desire. That I need that moksha, that momukshatvam, manushatvam, momukshatvam. And then the third thing is meeting a live guru. That is the third uh, acharya who can then guide you to that moksha, who can connect, uh, connect the jivatma, paramatma. He says these three, three things are extremely rare. And, and I think his example stood out to me. He said like when you have taken manush uh, birth and then have this momukshatvam, you are like uh, two sets of five games and you are serving the advantage. Just to serve Aham Brahmasmi and you are going, you win the, the match and the trophy and everything, you get moksha. You know, he, he has so many examples, even from the from cricket, uh, right? And that's how I came to know what time period this was recorded. Like, right? He has references to India-Pakistan match and, <laughs> and stuff like that in his lecture. He's obviously very uh, unhappy about how we played. And, uh, you know, then you can relate back. Oh, it was, oh, it was beginning of 2000 when this yeah, was yeah, yeah. you know. No, actually, there's a very profound lesson from that example too. He said, uh, so what happens after you get this, you know, you get this Aham Brahmasmi thing after Nididhyasana, what happens? And this cricket analogy makes sense. He said, you have gone for a series, you have won three matches. Now, how will you play the fourth match? That is how you play your life. Like you win, it's okay. You lose, it's okay. You've already won the trophy. So what? So you play uh, just for enjoying the game's sake. So that analogy also stuck with me. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, in, in the verses 37 or uh, uh, I think it's 37, 38, talks about Samadhi. It's interesting. I mean, I, I was just reading a little bit more. Uh, just to understand. It was a good flow. <laughs> um, and how he talks point. about uh, sorry, should be the reading. Sorry, sorry, Kishore. The reading assignment for next week. Kalpana, yeah, you want to... it's some really interesting yes. stuff coming up. Yeah, <laughs> thirty-eight. That's a new chapter, isn't it? To forty-six, perhaps. Thirty-eight to um, forty-six. Yeah, thirty-eight to forty-six sounds good. Yeah, cool. Sorry, Kishore, I cut you off. Yeah, no, no, that's good. Yeah, I was about to get to that. That sounds good. All right, any, any other thoughts? Or maybe we can end it down.
think one just one comment on meditation i think earlier discussion on sharing practices or even exploring our own techniques so i think what generally my my guru and mary street told us go with scriptures there are a lot of um, um people who've not like the scriptures is your scientific i mean from inner science point of view if it is mentioned in scriptures take it if it is an enlightened master text spoken about it take it but both should be there don't go with somebody who is giving a technique who is neither a scriptural reference nor uh, or just claiming enlightenment experience right let me put it that way right somebody who is claiming enlightenment but the technique is not supported in the scripture uh, so he says like, at least that's a sanity check we need to do right scripture has to say it at least one or more enlightened masters need to say that right then you can explore that technique as even as somebody some of us who don't have gurus and want to explore the caution he always says is don't go with somebody who just claims enlightenment which doesn't have a the technique is not there in the scripture don't just don't start like for example you know what listen to something and jump or whatever right there's so many so many of the western um, like people do that he always cautions that because the scripture is a whitewashing right i mean hundreds and thousands of masters and written masters have written have vetted yeah. it always use that as a basis if you don't have a guru uh, don't just because it can also sometimes you can get distracted is what he says it can take you away from some of these techniques uh, can also take you away just that's all is his caution to saying take anything and let uh, from scripture and an enlightened master both needs to be there both needs to correlate with each other this is what he says you cannot have somebody saying something which is not there in the scripture then don't 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 even go there kind of a broad advice so just i want to share that so yeah yeah the word of caution as you explore so cool all right ஜோதிர்கமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோமயோம